This is The Other 14 Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of The Other 14 Podcast, the only podcast that forgets all about the so-called Big Six and focuses just on the other 14 teams of the Premier League. It has been a great week of results for the other 14, with Dyche already changing fortunes at Everton, Fulham looking positive in West London, and Lopetegui's Wolves showing bite against Liverpool. This week, as always, I'm joined by Tom. Hello, Reese. Hello, Tom. Um, Tom, it's been a great week for the other 14, but before we jump into the week's results, we need to talk about the big news of the last 24 hours. Jesse Marsh has been handed his P45 and escorted out of Elland Road. Jesse's gone. What do you make of that? Because for me, once again, it seems weird sacking a manager after you've just given them backing in a transfer window. Yeah, I'm pretty much under the same sort of mindset. It was one that when I heard the news, I was surprised. Um, or sort of more, not I wouldn't say shocked, but yeah, definitely surprised. And then you sort of look at the run that they've been on. And yeah, I mean, it's seven games without a win. But I mean, they've, they've been on that before. I, I, you know, I, I don't get what, what's different. You know, Leeds have been seen to give managers time um, over the last couple of years under specifically Marcelo Bielsa and into the the, the beginnings of, of this campaign. So making that decision out, especially like you said, after a transfer window where they've made some signings, you know, uh, McKenney coming in uh, from Juve on loan, that's the show of ambition that I think, you know, that the, uh, the board are sort of trying to back Jesse March and what he's trying to do. And then to sack him, like, one game into the, like, post-transfer window just seems, it does seem a little bit odd to me. But mm. then on the face of it, the results haven't been fantastic. No, but, so, if we go to Leeds club statement, which for me is a little cold, just like Villas for Gerrard, Leeds United can confirm head coach Jesse March has been relieved of his duties. Jesse joined the club in February 2022 and was instrumental in keeping the club in the Premier League on the final day of last season. We would like to thank Jesse and his background staff for their efforts and wish them all for the future. So it's not as bad as Villa's, but it's, I suppose, what has he actually done? It's pretty yeah. it's pretty cut and dry, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. you know, there's like, oh, well, here's the news, here's what's going to happen, and I'd like to thank him for a bit for his efforts. Yeah. End of story. Mm. So... The, the thing you know. is for me, and I think I might just reiterate what you said pretty much because I just can't process it in my mind. You've given him backing in January because they signed a fair few players in January as well. They've Because we have we spoke about it in the preview pods that they signed a good number of good players. Um, they've then continued that into the January window and putting in valuable support and additions that they need, including their new striker, Nonto. And yeah. you've, as you mentioned, uh, Western McKenney. And then one game after, I, they are on a real Russian run of form. So they haven't won in such a long time. November 5th was the last time they won. That was a 4 3 win against, uh, it was prior to the Spurs game. It was, um, so I can't remember the top of my head. November the this... 5th, they beat Bournemouth 4 3. That was it. Yeah. Um, so, and then. Although you... you do have to, it is quite a long time. To November fifth, yeah, but you, you do have to remember there well, was World that. Cup in that cap as well. Yeah, so in that time they got knocked out of the EFL Cup to Wolves. Um, they then lost to Tottenham. They then lost to Man City. They drew with Newcastle. Drew with West Ham. Um, they then lost to Aston Villa. They then drew with Brentford. They've then lost to Forest at the weekend. So and but they have got through to the next round of the cup, having beaten Cardiff on a replay and beaten Acklington Stanley. But for me, really odd to do it now as timing. I think something that we have mentioned in the past is Jesse Marsh when he's been talking about their performances, about oh, it's a it's been a really good and strong performance, but the points don't back that up. And realistically, a club will always make decisions based on points. 
Yeah. And they and I think he did seem when I've heard him talk seem somewhat in denial about being in a relegation battle. Yes, they have a game in hand on the teams around them, but that game in hand is tomorrow night as of recording against Manchester United, who yeah. are looking pretty strong. Um, but they are very much in a relegation battle. They're on the same amount of points as Everton in 18, who have made a managerial change, and we'll talk about the positive impact that's had. So I don't know whether Leeds have a plan for a new manager, whether they just want a shiny new manager, or they're really relying on some sort of new manager bounce. But either way, it's. I don't know if it's a good move or not because they do have a good squad, but yeah. quite clearly it has not worked for Marsh for quite an extensive period of time now. Yeah, and I think it will just come down. Is was the decision right? It will depend on who they bring in. Yeah, hundred percent. Looking at the odds for who is most likely to be brought in, there's been lots of talk about Carlos Corberan. Um, who used to be at, um, who was at Leeds managing their youngsters um, a while ago. But then they've got, so Corberan at three to one, Bielsa five to one, Hassan Hootel six to one, Pochettino six to one, Postacoglu 15 to two, not going to happen. Benitez, maybe, but he doesn't play a style of football that would no, be appealing to these fans and doesn't suit the squad. Carrick, I think, is doing all right at 12-1, um, at to 1, but I think he's doing all right still at Borough. Brendan Rodgers, don't know why he would leave Leicester to go to no. Leeds. Thomas Tuchel at 16-1. to 1. <laughs> You imagine. <laughs> Which is, like, that would be... Ca- now, that would be a good managerial appointment, and I would say that was a good decision to sack yeah. Marsh if you got two lined up. Uh, Solskjaer at 20 to 1, and oh, then God. Steven Gerrard at 20 to 1 also. So, realistically, it's looking like it could be Corberan. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about him, and to be honest, the impact that this decision will make will, it quite simply, it will come out in the wash and we'll see. Um, come the end of the season it's a bit of a gamble to take but they did make a change this time last season by getting rid of it's pretty much a year on isn't it It they appointed him in February 22 so a year on they've given him pretty much 12 months he kept them up but realistically not much has actually changed because they're not playing more winning football Um, and so we'll just see how that happens for Leeds but yeah for me, Marsh has really the shine of Marsh. I think for a lot of Leeds fans, went ages ago. Um, I think he initially came in with exciting football, but realistically, it's been less exciting than Bielsa's football, and they've lost more. So yeah, I I, I think from sort of from the outset for look because I, w- I watched the game on Sunday against Oscar Forest, and I think it pretty much sums up leads the entirety of this season um bar like one or two games they have been involved in pretty much close games all the way throughout the entire campaign even their wins um so it's looking at some of their losses i mean it's one nil to to brighton uh yeah brentford 5-2 but aside from that you've got palace 2-1 lee uh arsenal 1-0 uh leicester was a 2-0 fulham was 3-2 uh spurs was 4-3 Villa 2-1, then Forest 1-0. They've been in close games and I feel like they're just not quite getting there because, like I said, I was watching the game on Sunday and going to the city ground, it's not always the easiest place to play. Forest have turned that into a little bit of a fortress this year. They were having this, the lion's share of possession. They were playing some nice stuff. They were sort of getting it forward and pretty much dominating uh, Forest and pretty much the territory-wise, they were in Forest half pretty much the entirety of the first half. Um, and just before Brendan Johnson's goal, but they just weren't. It, yeah, it was all. There was just no sort of end product. It was there was just a lot lacking. I think if they had a little bit more bite at uh, the front of at the front of their attack, and just a few more goals about them, then this lead side would be a hundred percent out of the out of the situation that they're in. But it's just the fact that they just can't go that extra step and get a, a win. They, they, they just can't buy a win. And I think that's that's where the trouble really lies. They've obviously got Rodrigo out now, now for a sustained period of time now for another couple of months with the injury that he's picked up, which is you know slightly unfortunate. They do have Bamford back now, but I've never been one to, to rate Bamford just 
purely on the fact that he takes a lot of chances, but he doesn't score a lot with it. Um, his percentage, but, so his conversion rate isn't fantastic. I think that's the point I'm trying to make there. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, so, yeah, I think, like you said, like Corboran obviously knows the club well. I think he would be, you know, as the bookies say, he's the out, you know, he's the, he's the favourite at the moment at three to one. He knows the club well. He's had also a period of being the um, assistant manager to Bielsa just before um, Bielsa got sacked. He then had a period uh, managing Huddersfield and, you know, performed quite, you know, reasonably well with them, um, left them in a little bit of a sour note to go off to manage West Brom. But the situation that West Brom are in right now, financially, um, for them to be sort of, well, they were down in the dumps and now have pretty much knocking on the door for a playoff spot, sort of potentially lying up a promotion back to the Premier League. He is playing some good stuff with with West Brom. So I, I think naturally that would be a good point. But I think West Brom would be absolutely desperate to keep hold of them just because of the situation that they're in. Um, also looking at the likes of Hassan Hutel, I would be thinking he's just had come out of a what we now probably class as a long-term appointment um, at Southampton. Probably wants a bit of a break now. I, can't I think see him actually straight there's back a in. chance he's going to... Um... I think there's a club in Germany that he's been linked to quite heavily. So if yeah, I, I can't see him going back to another Premier League job yeah. for this time being. Just if more sort of closer to home for him. Mm. Um, the only other one there that probably there's there's not that too much many. Uh, I there's not, not too many there that I would sort of. I would the only be other intrigued would be by Rafa. See, for me, I'd be intrigued by Rafa because he does have a it's record just... of working with not much and getting results. I think tactically he would be good enough to keep Leeds in the Premier League. Um yes. But I just think it's not an inspiring appointment for Leeds fans. Um you and... don't really want to do something on a temporary basis. Though. I mean, I I can only realist, realistically see him sort of going in towards the end of the season. Um and just trying to do a job to keep him up, but then again, I don't think he wants that tag of being, you know, Someone he doesn't want to be keep... thrown in the group with Allardyce. And Dice, such, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I think he's still got a bit about management, but I just yeah, don't think but... it's the right job. I don't think it's the right job for him. No, well, we'll, we'll see. Um, and yeah, well, good luck to Leeds and see how they do. But it's, uh, it. I think we were shocked by the decision, but given all that's been going on in terms of Leeds' performances, it's also not a shock. Um, but yeah. It... It's an, it's an initial shock and then you sort of mm. read a little bit more into it and just think, oh yeah, yeah, yeah actually. Well, we'll see. We've got Leeds have uh, 18 games of the season to survive in the Premier League, so that's what they're giving their new manager. Well, actually probably 17 games by the time they make an appointment because yep. I doubt they're going to get anyone United. in and influencing stuff before their game on Wednesday. No, exactly. They've got Michael Scubala, Paco Gallardo and Chris Armas uh, taking uh, over the reins uh, for the time being. So they'll be taking charge of training and uh, be in the dugout for the United game. Fair enough. Uh, which is, I think, half of Jesse March's backroom stuff. Mm. I think the other half got sacked as well. Well, enough of Jesse Marsh's unfortunate um, 24 hours. Tom, um, tell us how it went down in the game week with the classified results. It's twenty. It's twenty-two, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's the one starting yep. Chelsea, Fulham, nil-nil. Yeah, that's got it. And here are the classified results for the match week twenty-two of the twenty-two uh, twenty-three Premier League season. Nil, Fulham nil, Newcastle one, West Ham United one, Wolverhampton Wanderers three, nil, two, Crystal Palace one, Brighton have Albion one, AFC Bournemouth nil, Brentford three, Southampton nil. Aston Villa 2, Leicester City 4. Everton 1, 0 0. Nottingham Forest 1, Leeds United 0. Well, Tom, thank you so much for those results. Um, only one place to start, really. We spoke in the last couple of weeks. We have spoken a lot about Everton, about how results always seemed quite close for them. They seemed defensively strong and they just needed to learn how to nick a goal. We then said about how it wasn't the easiest start for Daesh, um, with their first game being at home to the Premier League leaders. And wow, some magic has happened and Goodison was absolutely roaring. 
With thanks for James Tarkovsky goal from a header from a lovely corner sent in by Dwight McNeil. You'd think this was Burnley playing, but no, it was Everton who won 1-0 and beat Arsenal. Is this the moment that Everton kick on and suddenly climb the table or are perhaps we getting ourselves a little bit overexcited? I think steady is the word that sort of comes to mind. On the face of it, it is the perfect springboard for Deitch to now go on um, and sort of have Everton climb up the, up the, uh, up the table. You know, they've now got a Merseyside derby coming up next weekend as well, where Liverpool are playing relegation form football right now. There is all the sense in the world that Everton have finally turned the corner, but, you know, it is one game at the end of the day that, you know, football fans, you know, we're all sort of guilty of it. We can go through one game, have a win and just get well ahead of ourselves. Um, you know, Everton beating the league leaders, just think, oh, we're well beaters now, we can take on anyone. Um, I think there are still a lot of issues with the Everton sort of, not necessarily the footballing side of things because, well, I say that, obviously down in the relegation battle because, you know, footballing reasons. Um, but I think just on the face of it, I think Deitch can steady that ship. And we've mentioned that time and time again over the last couple of weeks. And I think he will do that. Um, but now it's just a sense of just just knuckling down and getting doing the hard yards and just getting the work done. Um, you know, like I said, Arsenal was the perfect springboard for that. The way they played, you know, they pretty much had the lion's share of the game throughout throughout it. Arsenal looked a bit lackluster, probably just one of those games for them where they just you know, they've been on such an incredible form throughout the entirety of the season that one game here or there might, you know, won't hurt them too much. Um, but I think Everton, you know, you might say Everton caught them on a, on a, on a good day or a bad day, depending on which way you look at it. Um, but it was a, a performance that I think typifies Deitch and the way he wants to go about things. You know, it was, it was gritty. There was a bit of bravery. There was just, you know, everyone sort of wearing their hearts on their sleeves. And just going about the business and, you know, Tarkovsky sort of running into sort of challenge for that header, bullet header past Ramsdale, um, you know, to get the goal and then just defended for their lives to sort of see it out for the rest of the, the rest of the game. And I think that's the sort of performance that Everton fans have been screaming for, for the entirety of the season, just not getting under Frank Lampard. Now they've got a manager with Deitch who just knows from sort of, top of the list down to the bottom of the list knows exactly what he wants out of his team and how to get about it um, it is the ideal start for him so we'll see how it goes on from here yeah um, it hopefully will be a springboard for Everton as much as I do find it at times seeing Everton fans moan on Twitter obviously we have spoken a lot about their history and about their um, ever present status but this does end an absolute rotten run of form for them Um it's not been fantastic. No, with the well, their last Premier League win came once again. There's an element uh, there's the World Cup, which buffers puts in a couple of weeks into here, but they haven't won since the 22nd of October, where they beat Palace three 0 In that time, drew with Fulham, lost to Leicester, um, got knocked out of the cup by League got knocked out of the League Cup by Bournemouth, lost in the league to Bournemouth, lost to Wolves, drew with Man City, lost to Brighton, got knocked out of the FA Cup by Man U, lost to Southampton, lost to West Ham, and now they have beaten Arsenal. Um, it's all well and good beating the teams at the top of the table, so you've said they have beaten Arsenal here. Obviously not top of the table at the moment, but Liverpool aren't in a relegation battle at the moment. So for me, the games that are really important for them isn't necessarily the Liverpool game Monday night football um, on the 13th. It is the following games of they've got Leeds, they've then got Villa, they've got Arsenal again, but they then got Forest. And I think it's got to be those games they're really targeting the teams around them and and that'll be where the difference of Daesh makes compared to the start of the season. Because before they were, at the start of the season, under Frank Lampard, they were losing games, but only by fine margins on the most part. And it's just whether Daesh coming in can actually transform that for them. And obviously everything's looking positive right now. Um, and I think there is probably, well, 
I think it's just now good that Everton fans have something to cheer about because it was so toxic, it was so miserable. I don't think this win will mean that Everton fans forgive their board and everything that's going on in terms of club ownership. But at least the football on the pitch, they've got a win and that's something to cheer about for the time being. Yeah, exactly. You know, they Everton fans aren't sort of fickle. They won't sort of forget the goings on behind the scenes um, with the ownership and everything like that. So they'll, they'll keep sort of, you know, charting them out and protesting and, and, and whatnot. But the fact is now that they have something to hold on to in terms of footballing, you know, if they can repeat it and, you know, if they get a result at Anfield um, in the Merseyside Derby on, you know, uh, next week, if they can have two two wins in the bounce and start climbing up that table, I think Everton fans can just sort of, not necessarily relax a little bit, but just sort of, it takes a weight off their shoulders and they can just start enjoying it a little bit better as opposed to just being stressed all the time. Um, I think Dice is the sort of it. I saw when when he sort of came in, I was just sort of like, he is that sort of steady sort He's of a calming energy, isn't he? He's a, there's a calming energy about Sean Dyche. Um, I don't think anything and... would ever phase him. He just seems really... No. He seems relaxed, but not in a bad way, if that makes sense. If no. he was... He... It seems like he, yeah. he's in control in a way. He knows what he's doing. He's got a steady. That's the head. thing. He, he looks as though he knows what he's doing. He, he talks the right stuff. He um, breeds confidence. He, that's the thing. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and I think Everton fan can just sort of hand him over a little bit of responsibility right now in terms of sort of the running of the club type thing um, or the running of the footballing side of things. So I think I think they're in safe hands. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, from a team that has had an uptick in form with the change of manager to a team that changed manager and it's just gone from bad to worse. The Saints got thumped by Brentford 3-0 on Saturday, further suppressing their chances of Premier League survival. But Nathan Jones decided enough was enough and really spoke his mind in his post-match interview. I haven't really put my own stamp on it, and I should have by now, Jones told the BBC. I was recruited to do certain things, and I don't see my team in there. I have pandered a little bit. I have gone away and tried to accommodate what we have. I want to be brutally honest with this. I have let the players down. The manager drives standards. I took plenty of accolades at my previous clubs and manager of the year, and statistically one of the best in the country and one of the most aggressive managers. So, Tom, has anything so far from Southampton's performance is suggested that he is one of the best managers in the country and one of the most aggressive managers? It's just all very odd, isn't it? Like, it's mad. If, if you consider yourself to be one of the best managers and you know rightly so you got all these accolades and from what he's done at Luton you know he knows how to get the best out of his players why has he not done it why has he why is is he why is he compromising it's one of of the weirdest things I think I've ever seen from a manager to come out and say you've been bought in for a reason for the style of football that you play and how you go about things why are you compromising it's absolutely mad. So ignoring cup games, um, their last win was against Everton, uh, which we've just mentioned. Other than that, they've had an absolutely awful run of results with their last win coming back in the 19th of October against Bournemouth. Um, Unreal. Yeah, which... He was brought in after that because he yeah. was brought in just before the World Cup. And we said, at least he's got five weeks now to try and sort out this team. And he's come around this stage, this late on. We've just had a transfer window. And I don't, to be honest, I can't recall Southampton signings, what they've done. I think they've made a couple. There's Orsic, I think, who came in, wasn't there? Yeah. But for the him to came turn to around and go, I've now been in the job for three months and he's gone, Oh well, I haven't stamped. I haven't stamped my identity on the team. Um, the the team. Itself, what have you I've, been doing I've, with your time? I've, I've let them get away with bits and pieces. I've let them just kind of do their own thing. It's like, well, my nan could be in charge then because she'll let everyone do what they want because she's a lovely woman. But lovely sure women, lovely old people 
don't necessarily keep putting the Premier League. And to be honest, there might be some lovely old grandmas out there that could probably manage in the Premier League. Mine definitely Roy couldn't. Hodgson. Roy Hodgson, lovely old woman. Um, but it's madness to me that his excuses are... He had the World are Cup, the excuses right? are, Yeah, he had all that time. His excuse, rather than going, we just weren't good enough, I need to go away and we need to work on something, he's gone... Which, like, and you might appreciate some level of honesty. It's the fact that he's gone. Oh yeah, I've just not done my job for uh, for eight weeks, or actually much longer than that, for closer to ten, eleven weeks now. I, I would almost be sitting on the Southampton board, looking at a photo of Hassan Hootel in the corner, being like, "Can I take him back now?" Like because... the, the Wolverine meme. Hundred <laughs> percent, the Wolverine meme. Um, because. It's absolutely baffling. For me, I think I think it's almost sackable. It was one of the, like, up there with what Scott Parker said at the end of the 9-0 against Liverpool. It's honestly one of the oddest things. About, like, if we were to have, like, separate, Scott separate Parker, con- he turned around and said, I'm trying to do my stuff, but yeah. the squad isn't good enough. He's turned around and gone... I've not tried I'm to not... work my stuff, and the squad isn't good enough. Yeah, I just—it's like one of it is one of the oddest like rants I think I've ever seen from a manager. And I think if we were to have an award at the end of the season for oddest manager managerial rant, I think Nathan Jones by far at the moment is the the front runner for it because it, it's just very strange. Like everything we've said is like you—you've had all this time to stamp your authority to you know actually put your identity on the team because that's what you've been brought in for. You are Honestly. the manager of a Premier League team, and he's gone. I haven't been managing. Sorry, it's guys. like because he said some of the you know some of the players that I have, I've had to adjust my style slightly. It's like, well, first of all, you're you're throwing players under the bus, which mm. is never going to win you any sort of fans whatsoever. No, he's not buying himself in time a relegation with the fans. battle. You in a relegation battle, you need the backing of your players, and you yeah. need the backing of the fans. Which are already chanting, you're getting sacked in the morning, and Nathan Jones, get out of our club. So um, I don't know what he intends to achieve by those sort of comments, and I, I don't think he's won any won any uh, won any plaudits with it. No, not at all in the slightest. So next week they have a game against Wolves, so relegation rivals, because Wolves aren't completely out of it. They're sitting in fifteenth, only two points above. The relegation zone. If they lose that, is he gone, or is it too late and no managerial change will change the fortune of Southampton? Um, is he gone? Yes. Do you I, think I, he'll? Do you think he'll? Um, I won't hold you to this because this is uh, it going into next week, next week's episode. But do you think he lasts until then? Do you think I he think, even makes the game week? I think if anything was to have happened by now, it already would have done. Or do you think Southampton were ready to pull the trigger and then they saw that Jesse Marsh got sacked and felt like they couldn't be also... They can tag on and be the bad guys and do a double sacking? To be honest, if, if Jones was to get the sack, March I don't think would be a bad a bad choice. It just be I think it'd just be like a swapsy. So who... who sorry, who have, they, who have they got next week? They've got Wolves next week, followed by um, they've then got a yeah, game against, against a Wolves. stuttering Chelsea, then against a struggling Leeds. Then we're into March. They've got South. Uh, they've got Leicester, Man U, Tottenham, West Ham, Man City. So, well, <laughs> yeah, I think they need to be to- honest. They, they probably saw the run of games and just thought those sort of four games. There is the potential there to pick up points if we can get a bit of a bounce going, start climbing up the table. Maybe I, I, I don't know. But I don't know. Either way, I think. This I mean, we're is... talking as we've already been sacked, but he hasn't. So no, they, but in all fairness, the other week you made the call that of the teams in the relegation zone, Southampton were most likely to go. That doesn't seem to have changed in the slightest. I have not changed my opinion. No, um, they are so far. They they are slowly being cut adrift from even in the bottom three. I don't I don't think a managerial change changes this. And I suppose the biggest concern for me is that I think he was brought in very much in a 
if we get relegated, we've got a manager who's experienced in the championship. But if this continues, does he even even does he even last for them while they're in the championship? Which is well, the more staggering thing? No, if the fans absolutely hate him, you know, there are there are certain managers who like if you get bought in, and ultimately if it doesn't work out, and you do actually get relegated, like the fans will accept the relegation depending on how you sort of conduct yourself mm. and how your teams have gone out and actually played. Um, Southampton have played any decent football and their manager is just on the weirdest rants and I, I think it's not going to, like if he continues to stay at the club and gets sort of, if they do get relegated if he tries to work with them in the championship they might play some decent stuff in the championship I'm saying this theoretically that they've already been relegated they haven't but at the moment I think that relationship between fans and manager and potentially players now with the, way, the things that he said is on the verge of being unfixable. Mm. And, well, we've got a week ahead of us to see what happens to him, but it's it was certainly one of the more shocking things of the week. Mm. And I think it's very much a ticking clock. Yeah. Tom, week after week, we talk about how important it is for teams down in the bottom half of the Premier League table to be beating the teams around them. And as much as uh, Everton beating Arsenal is, if they're not beating the likes of West Ham, Southampton and Bournemouth, then they could be potentially in trouble. And you've done some looking into this for us. So listeners, it's time to get out your calculators and dust off your abacuses because it's time for Stats Corner. Uh, yeah, so as you said, Reese, I've done a little homework this week and been looking more towards the bottom end of the table, more specifically those who, you know, with classes sort of low slash medium to high risk of relegation um, and see how they're performing against each other uh, by putting them uh, together in a mini league table. Um, you know, because we always sort of talk about when you're down at the bottom, the most, the, the most important thing is you're taking points off the those nearest around you to try and climb up the table. Um, you know, we always talk about the six pointer and everything like that. Um, so I've decided to choose those sort of teams that were in that sort of low to high risk, well, sort of medium to high risk um, of relegation. So I've decided the bottom nine of the Premier League table as it stands. So looking at the table as it stands, it's from Palace. Um in 12th down to Southampton, who are, as we've mentioned, at the foot of the table. No offence given to Palace fans whatsoever. I'm sure you do an absolute fantastic job and I don't see you being relegated whatsoever, but purely for the sake of this, um, I've decided to include you because, you know, we would probably still class on the face of it, Forest is the likelihood of, of being um, slight potential um, for, for relegation. Um, oh. And you both sit on the same amount of points in terms of 24. I know, I know you say this, but Palace are on a real rotten run of form. <laughs> um, but I, once again, oh, yeah. I agree with you. I don't, I don't think they will. They've had a tough run of fixtures. Um, but to be honest, their next yeah. three are against uh, Brighton, Brentford, and then Liverpool. Oh god, they've got a real rotten run of form. Anyway, I don't think they'll go down it. Regardless, sorry to sidetrack no. and derail. So, yep, yeah, um, I've created this uh, league table, uh, league table, and Reese, as you can see, as you've, you've probably uh, opened it up by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, see how it differs between uh, sort of current standings. Um, so I was sort of saying, like, looking for other certain teams uh, who perform better against sort of relegation rivals, um, against those performing better against well, against teams sort of higher up. Uh, so on the face of it, um, Leeds haven't had exactly the best of times uh, right now. They currently sit, in terms of this table of nine, they sit bottom of the table with currently nine points out of available, um, well, they've played eight against the uh, the other bottom so nine, nine and currently have four. nine points. And sitting top are Nottingham Forest with 17. And seeing how that differs in terms of where they're placing. So Leeds sit on 18 points at the moment in terms of where they are in the actual league table, but only sit on nine points in terms of the, uh, what I'd call the 12 bottom table. Um, so not picking that up that many points in terms of those in and around them. So that's probably why they find themselves in the situation that they're in and why on the face of it, 
you know, obviously the decision now, because I started making this table just before the decision um, was made to sack Jesse March. Um, and then as I was starting to make it, it then just seemed to make actually a little bit of sense as to why they've made the decision that they did. In my mind, I can recall Leeds having a good number of uh, results this season against some of the teams higher up in the table. I can remember them getting some good results against uh, Chelsea, for example, who are currently yeah. not in their finest form, but you'd consider very much not in the relegation fight yeah. for pretty much every season. So, yeah, let, let's run it down uh, from top to bottom so actually people get an idea of what the table actually looks like. So sitting top, we've got Nottingham Forest on 17 points. Then you've got Leicester and Palace both on 16. Wolves sit in, third, uh, in fourth place with 13 points. And then joint on 11 points is West Ham, Bournemouth, Southampton, Everton, and then Leeds. So in terms of the biggest droppers, we've mentioned Leeds already. Southampton are actually higher than they are in the current table because um, they are a little bit performing better against those in and around them. Um, but I've only picked up four points against those in the top half of the table. Um, Bournemouth are slightly higher than they are in the current table. Uh, West Ham are sort of on even level, level pegging. Uh, but Forest are surprisingly sort of top of that list uh, because they do perform quite well. Yeah, they've picked up 17 points, as I've mentioned. Uh, and their home record is actually outstanding. Um, if you look on the face of it, they've played five at home at the moment, have won four of them and only lost the once. So on the face of it, their home record against those in and around them is very good. And, you know, they always say, try and get your home record up. Um, and try, try, to make, of, it, try to make your home this. ground a fortress, right? Exactly, yeah. And I was sort of looking at this and what Nottingham Forest actually, because I've suddenly sort of come up with this, um, what Nottingham Forest actually reminds me of is Brighton when they first came up. Because we always... Brighton did enough to sort of stay up and I, I'm starting to think that Forest might also be that team. But they don't score a lot of goals at home. Forest's record at home, as it stands, is um, they lost 3-2 lost, uh, to Bournemouth and then they beat Palace 1-0, they beat Leeds 1-0, beat Leicester 2-0 and they beat West Ham 1-0. So they don't score a lot of goals at home, but they're doing enough to get the wins. I think Brighton were that sort of team where the home record was iffy uh, in terms of the whole picture, but they were just scoring like one nils and things like that just to get the points on the boards. Having watched West Ham versus Forest, they very much did just enough to win the game. Um, yeah. They, like, they benefited it's not from been, West Ham. It's not been fantastic. Yeah, they didn't. They benefited from West Ham not scoring a penalty and hitting the post, but one nil wins is kind of all you need at home, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, Forest home record is uh, very good. Um, Wolves also have uh, pretty decent home records as well. They've played four at home and won three, uh, only losing the once. Uh, but the the strange thing about that, they have a negative goal difference, even though their home record is fantastic. <laughs> Because so, the three wins were one nil wins, and the the uh, the other the defeat was a four nil loss to Leicester. Oh, <laughs> ah, so, so but you know what? Ruins their goal difference. Yeah, but yeah. you know what? They've got the points where it matters. You'd prefer that than I'm sure they'd prefer yeah. getting those three wins than getting three draws and a loss. So yeah, and then sort of conversely, another reason why I think Southampton probably find themselves in the situation they're in, as in terms of bottom of the current. Premier League table as it stands they haven't picked up a win yet at all at home against this bottom nine so they oh, played wow. four lost none uh, sorry one none and then just the two draws uh, to pick up the two points um, so their home record is easily the worst out of this bottom nine um, but strangely enough their away record is not that bad they've got three wins out of five so there's That's obviously something how it uh, at home whereby Southampton aren't. No, exactly. It's a bit of a it's a bit of an odd one. And I think I think I mentioned something at the beginning of the season where um, again Brighton. I think it was Brighton last year were good away from home, specifically last campaign. I think they were good away from home, um, and ended up picking more points up away. 
um, as opposed to when they first came up, it actually had a not bad sort of record at the Amex. Uh, but that's sort of completely sort of flipped around on its head this year. We're just Brighton have had a fantastic campaign all round. Um, so yeah, looking at Southampton, home record definitely stands out there um, against that bottom nine. For some reason, they're just not performing well at home. That is absolutely staggering how that is working out the way it is. I'm intrigued by because we've spoken a lot about. But then, if you if you look on the face of it, like Southampton also picked up the majority of their points against this bottom nine, so they should be performing quite well. But they're only sort of fifteen points because they only picked up four against the others. Uh, the sort of the top half of the table, whereas the likes of Leeds have picked up nine. It's not a fantastic amount of points, no doubt, but just true. But so yeah. far, they've it's played... still not a fantastic amount of points. Yeah, but I suppose if you look at it, if we say you would got to win the beat the teams around you. Had they obviously not going to happen, but had they won all nine of their games that they've played against these bottom nine teams, they would currently be on twenty seven points and would be yeah. laughing at the prospect of relegation right yeah. now. Yeah. So as and you can see from Leeds and the fact that they have done well against the teams who are um placed eleventh and above. Yeah, that's done them. I mean, think of the top of head, bit, but yeah, they beat, they beat Liverpool and they beat Chelsea, so yeah. that's six points off the bat against that top eleven. Well, their away record against this like bottom nine cluster is they've played yeah. four, drawn one, and lost three, yeah. which is a pitiful return. And say, saying that, it's the same for West Ham. They've played five away games against this nine, drawn two, lost three, and currently sitting on only two points from their away games. Um, and yeah, so that really needs to be worked on uh, from these clubs. Yeah, it was just something, just something, something to look at. Um, obviously, making that comparison, but you know, we obviously talk about um, teams performing well against their rivals, uh, well, not sort of like geographical rivals but those in and around them in terms of the table um it's clear to see that there is a, a bit of a disparity um between what the Premier League table says and what the actual bottom nine table says it's not clear cut um exactly the same I'm staggered by Leicester here so they've played nine and got 16 points from that so that's yeah five wins a draw and three losses so that's a pretty yep. good record They've scored 16 goals and only conceded six. Yeah. That is an absolutely phenomenal for them. Um, and obviously that is reflected in the fact that they, since kind of the Christmas break, are now looking more and more safe. So they've made yeah. their way up to 21 points now yeah. um, in the full table. But 16 of those are against teams in the bottom nine. So only they've only got five against any team above that, which... We should really be looking at this when looking at Fab Four, by the way. This would be really helpful for us. It's, it's a good little tool now. This is almost a cheat code in us looking if, at... If I can... Yeah, if if I, Leicester are playing point, with anyone that yeah. aren't in the bottom nine, chances are they're not going to perform. What if I should do is make this into another 14 table. That's probably what we should do. That would be really interesting to see. Although you've got teams like Newcastle and Brighton and Brentford who are currently cheating. Yeah, they'd be running away. They'd be running away with it. But yeah. I would be really intrigued to see that. Yeah, um, but it's interesting. To see, but I think yeah. it's interesting to see the smaller clusters of Leicester against the bottom nine teams, just because it goes to show. And I suppose an element with Forest that because what Forest have got seventeen points against all the teams around yeah. them, and in total they've only got twenty four points. If Forest are playing at home, you can pretty much guarantee a one nil win. Mm, exactly. And if they're playing a team that isn't in the bottom nine, then chances are they're not going to get anything from the game because they've only got seven um, seven points so far from that. Yeah. So I'm I really like this. I think this is a really interesting bit of uh, bit of work that you've put in here. Thank you very much for putting in this piece of work, Tom. Because this is uh, you are welcome. This has really made my podcast so far. Anyway, I've got to stop looking at it because it will be too much. But that's uh, really interesting to see how they're all performing and who is underperforming yeah. or overperforming against teams around them. Um, but I think fundamentally it does show. And the big question, the big question and answer is: Well, do are, do teams survive and fare better if they're beating the teams around them, 
Well, quite clearly, yes, because Leicester and Forest are the teams that are performing best against the bottom line. And they are the two that are exceeding their way up the table and are looking like some of the stronger teams in the league um, from the other 14 at the moment. Yep. Tom, it's time for you to turn to the other 14 and say, show me what you got. Show me what you got. (laughs) It's goal of the week. Goal of the week. So, Tom, it was a game week with a lot of good results in there for the other 14, but were there any goals of high quality that stand out to you? As Churchill would say, oh, yes. Right, where do we begin? So, clearly, a lot of fantastic goals this week, and my sort of shortlist is anything but there are quite a number of mentions and honorable mentions out there i think there's there's probably one clear winner with a, with a very tight um tight contester uh for you know challenging all the way um but let's let's start off with uh brian and Buemo's goal against southampton i think that pretty much summed up what's good about brentford and what's terrible about southampton right now just absolutely sort of driving through and and Buemo just like Brentford as a team are just ripping apart. So it, it, I, I probably wouldn't give it... Obviously, Mbwemo scored the goal. But for Brentford, it was quite a, quite a good team goal, I, I felt. Um, and basically just summed up that game for, for both teams, I think. A lovely little finish and put the um, sort of icing on top of the cake uh, for the victory, uh, for, the re- uh, for the three points for Brentford. I thought Nevers, again, was a very much similar goal and pretty much summed up the game. Also, for, for both teams there, balls were absolutely fantastic. Liverpool were shocking. Um, and again, put a nice uh, sort of sprinkler on that on that game. Uh, Benmi's header um, against Southampton again, another bright, uh, another Brentford goal there, where he's absolutely charging in um, from the, from a corner and just being really brave and just sticking his head in and bullet header. Um, um, I'd like to point out that I think you've missed. Uh, I'm not. One I'm going to admit, no, no. I think no. I think on his debut, King Craig Dawson scoring. An absolutely wonderful strike from a set piece against Liverpool for Wolves. Look, I know, you know he was bought, he was brought in as a solid defender and with a set piece threat. And look, Wolves won three 0 so they kept a clean sheet. And he was part of the goal scoring. I, I just think he's worth an honourable mention here. Is he's uh, an honourable mention, but he won't win it. Just Fair. a purely out spite for you. Um, but yeah, it, it was a good header. If, if okay, fair enough. If Ben Mee's on there, then I, I guess uh, Craig Dawson's header should be up there as well. Wasn't a header? He scored with his foot. Um, well, I obviously haven't watched it. Um, for <laughs> oh, and you're, and you're and you're the king of. Oh, sorry, it's the trauma. <laughs> uh, you, you, that's outrageous. You can't be here on the other fourteen podcast claiming to be able to award goals of the week when you haven't even watched them all because you're too scared to watch. Your men in red with the liver birds on their chest it lose embarrassingly. This is uh, a and disgrace. for that reason, and that reason oh, alone, I'm right. out. Um... Ne- next week, I'll, I'll be doing goal of the week, ladies and gents, <laughs> because I feel I can be impartial and not a little whiny. I, I, I mentioned Nevers, didn't I? You did. But have you watched it? I did. I, you, you watched that, but you didn't watch King Craig. Well, says yeah. a lot about you as a person. Anyway, I'm, I'm surprised you did. I thought that would, that would give you sort of some. Um... Some also flashbacks as well. Right. Uh, also looking at Jeffrey Schlupp's um, lovely little outside of the foot dink against United. That um, was that was good. I, I did it was enjoy good. that. It was a good goal. I think I have mentioned also on previous goal of the weeks that unfortunately if your team does lose, then you don't necessarily win goal of the week. Uh, although it was a very good goal. And be, it, on other weeks, if Palace did win the game, that would clearly be one of the winners for me. Um, but I think on the outset of it, I was watching this game as well, the Forest versus Leeds game. Brennan Johnson's volley um, to put past Melier first time was technically perfect. Um, a lovely little finish for a guy who's starting to build up a little bit of confidence now, scoring some goals week in, week out for Forest. Gradually building Forest up to a, a team that is starting to compete a little bit better than what they were at the start of the season and as a, as a unit performing a little bit better. Um, I think that pretty much sums up that performance. You know, Forest were up against it pretty much from the get-go against Leeds. And then they started to build in the, into it a little bit better, got the goal, which was, again, a fantastic goal, and then just sort of saw it through. 
pretty much sums up performance. Lovely, lovely finish from Brennan Johnson. So for me, I am going to be awarding this week's goal of the week to Brennan Johnson. I think that's um, a very worthy winner. I think there were some were some lovely finishes around the grounds on Saturday and Sunday. Um, and you've gone through all of them. Some lovely, lovely headed goals as well. A lot from set pieces is what I found. There was a lot of goals from, yeah, from either directly yeah. from set pieces or like the yeah. balls come out. So the one for Brennan Johnson, it was a nice free kick from the right hand side, swung in, knocked dealt with properly, and then he's absolutely latched onto it. Um, but it seemed to be the uh, it seemed to be the weak for balls into the box. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, w- very worthy winner there from uh, Brennan Johnson. And it was well done. a quality goal from... Peach of a volley, that. Absolute peach. Absolutely. <clears throat> now it's time for our Fab Four fixture. Normally, we hang our heads in shame, as of recent weeks, we have been pretty dire at this, Tom. However, this week, we've uh, it's got a little bit better for us, hasn't it? So... Across the four fixtures, um, each game, Tom and I have, uh, we predict the score and we have the potential to win three points per game if we get the correct scoreline, but one point if we get the correct result. Um, Tom, of the four fixtures, you were able to get two points because you correctly predicted that Brighton would beat Bournemouth and Brentford would beat Southampton. Um, I, however, got three points. So I also, like you, got the Brighton and Brentford wins correct um like you I did not see Forest beating Leeds or ha- though now having seen your data we definitely know that that was yeah, a bad we, prediction we, bad prediction for both of us um, but I did see the draw being achieved by West Ham at Newcastle I put nil nil it was one one um a great defensive performance from West Ham to keep <sighs> it only at one all. Um, so in terms of our rankings in this Fab Four game, um, it has now put me on 29 points and you on 26. So I've extended my lead by a tiny amount, just the one point. Before we go on to our predictions for next week's game, Tom, can you tell us what games we have to look forward to in the coming game week? Absolutely, Reese. So up and coming for match week 23 of this year's Premier League, we have got the lunchtime Saturday kickoff with West Ham against Chelsea. It's Fulham versus Forest in the beginnings of the three o'clock kickoffs on the Saturday. Then it's Leicester City against Tottenham. It's Arsenal against Brentford. Crystal Palace take on Brighton. Southampton take on Wolves as the last of the three o'clocks. And then the evening fixture. Uh, for that Saturday, we've got Bournemouth going up against Newcastle. And then on to Sunday, we've got Leeds United against Man United and Manchester City against Aston Villa make up the last of those Super Sunday games. And then it is the Monday night football, the Merseyside derby, Liverpool against Everton. Thank you for all those fixtures. The main one for me is, are Leeds playing Man U back to back? Because they've still got to play. This is a rearranged fixture from um, that they're playing on Wednesday night against at Old Trafford, and is then their next game immediately in having Man U yes. come yeah. to Ellen Drake. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That, well, I suppose what a time to get rid of Jesse Marsh because they probably under him weren't going to get any points from it. So maybe a new manager bounces what they need um, with those games. So. Looking at the fixtures that we are going to be predicting for the following game week. So, Fulham against Forest. We've got the Glen Murray Derby with Palace versus Brighton. We then have Southampton versus Wolves and the Eddie Howe Derby with Bournemouth against Newcastle. So, Tom... Is there any insight you can take from your data that you have accumulated for Stats Corner this week to predict what Fulham v Forest result will be? Well, I mean, Fulham don't appear in this uh, this table, obviously. So they, they are fi- five the op- flyers at the moment, exactly, and they're doing very, very well, and we're very proud. Um, the only fixture that I'm looking at there is actually Southampton versus Wolves as a potential um, 
sort of uh, gratification or um, yeah, gratification of the table um, as it stands. Uh, but looking at that Fulham Forest game, Forest have been playing better of late. Uh, their away record, sort of amongst that sort of bottom. Uh, bottom nine, even though I've said already Fulham aren't in that, isn't fantastic. They've only got one win in five. So their away troubles haven't been fantastic. Um, so I'm looking at a Fulham win for this. Um, but I think it will be a close run thing because Forest have been better set up um, over the last sort of weeks and months. Uh, I will go for a Fulham two, Forest one result. I am going to go for a Fulham three nil win. And then Palace v Brighton. Uh, for me, Palace are on an absolute rotten run of form. The Seagulls are high-flying. And I think in this uh, avian derby, it's probably going to be Brighton that are coming out top based on purely on the fact that they have... This is also that weird derby, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so yeah, it is. Um, it is. They do dislike each other because the only other team that Palace are rivals with are Charlton and they're god-awful. So um, it's a weird derby. I am going to go for Brighton 2-0 because they've got the power of Mitoma. I do agree that the power of Mitoma is grand and OP right now. Um, Palace have been okay at home, sort of looking at the table. Obviously, Brighton aren't in that table um, as it stands, but Palace have been relatively solid at home. Um, but as you mentioned, they have been on a... a, a a, a horrendous run of form. Um, I'm going to actually say that they might actually turn it around, and Brighton might just have an off day. Um, I'm going to have to be. I'm going to be bold with this. Um, although it's it's quite early in well, it's, it's a bit early in the whole sort of season to make sort of bold shouts, but I, I feel as though I might sort of give this one uh, the one off. Uh, I'm going to say a Palace two Brighton one result. Okay. Which is again completely against the, the, the run of yeah, run of play. And fair. but just Okay. And then the one game we can get any of uh, information out based on uh, the data you provided. So Wolves don't have a particularly good run away from home against teams in and around them, and Southampton aren't particularly good at home in team against teams in and around them. So for that reason, I'm going to say that it's going to end up being a one-all result. I think both teams will score, but I don't think either team will be walking away with all three points. Now, this is the danger of this table now, because I also was going to think about a draw. Um, one-all was sort of high up my list, but you know what? I'll go two-all. Well, you're thinking two-all. In all fairness, Wolves, yeah. free, free scoring at the moment, having just put three away against some... Have speed. you seen our defence? Mm, true. And now Bournemouth beat Newcastle. Bournemouth, who were flying so high at the start of the season, have really come back down to earth and it's not going well for Gary O'Neill's men. While Newcastle have been on a hot run of getting draws. So of four of their last five games, they have got draws from. So do you think the vitality will be a fortress or do you think the lads from St. James's Park will do enough to win this game? I think that might Newcastle wise. I think Newcastle might turn a corner because, as you said, in the last four games they've, they've drawn three and only won once, and they haven't been free scoring uh, in those games. Um, I am sort of thinking that it will be a result for Newcastle. I just really depends on how how many. Um, I will go for a two nil um, Newcastle win because defensively they are as best as you can get right now. Exactly. Defensively, they are very solid. Um, weirdly, a set piece that they conceded to West Ham um, from at the weekend. I think, I think defensively, Newcastle are phenomenal. Bournemouth are struggling at the moment. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's a chance that it's Gimmerich back because he had been suspended for a straight red. And I think Ooh. maybe it's been enough games now that he might actually be back. So, um, was it, hang on, wasn't he sent off in the League Cup? I can't actually remember when he was sent off. Um, I he think was, it was the League Cup. Oh, it was only one game ago. Oh, but it depends on the seat. I don't know. It's not an immediate three, is it, the red card? It, Isn't it? 
Australia is three, isn't it? No, it depends on the offence. It depends Ooh. on how serious. And it was a little bit of a naughty challenge. It was quite either, a naughty challenge. Either way, I still think uh, Newcastle will be far too good for Bournemouth. And I'm yeah. saying that'll be a 3 0 win. Yeah. For, it's going to be comfortable. For the Magpies. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of twos in my in my results. We're just looking at that now. Well, too late now. They've been locked in and yeah. cannot be changed by anyone. There are two one two one two all two. Wow. Yeah. Um, Those the rules. Indeed. Okay. Well, let's see how those predictions fare out in the coming game week, which has some really exciting fixtures away from just other fourteen games head to head. Have to say, I am looking forward to. Um, seeing Brentford up against Arsenal, Arsenal with a little slip against Everton, and Brentford being on hot form. Just fancy them. Yeah, and then as I say, the um, the Merseyside derby could be really Not interesting. To that. Yeah. Oh, and with that brings us to the end of this episode of the Other Fourteen podcast. So thank you for downloading and listening to this week's episode with Tom and myself. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice and recommend us to your friends, family and other 14 fans. Tom, thank you for joining me on this week's episode. You're welcome. And I'll see you on next week's episode. So it's goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. And we'll see you next week on the other 14 podcast. <laughs>